I don't really go in with specific colors in mind usually. You know, I don't, I don't think, I'm not very calculated about that. I'm actually not calculated at all about that. I'm very calculated about the drawing and the composition part, but color is just, you know, I know you're, you're probably going to hate this answer, but it's like just totally intuitive in, in the moment and, you know, and it's something that I feel in my gut, <laughs> you know, like whether something is right in regards to color and when something's wrong and playing around with that is just um, a, a totally intuitive process. Welcome to the Studio Break Podcast. I'm your host, David Linaway. For today's 107th episode, Mary Lauby joins us to discuss her practice, which incorporates a lot of alteration, painting, installation, sound pieces, and especially a lot of collaboration. It's very exciting, and we talk about a variety of different works, so please stay tuned for that. And of course, check out MaryLauby.com and find out a little bit more about what we're talking about. And it is that wonderful time of year when we do our annual competition. It's open through May 31st. And if you're an undergraduate, graduate student, or professional artist, you can apply. Please check out studiobreak.com. Look under the 2014 competition page and find out more details there. We're going to be selecting nine total artists, three from each of those categories. And one lucky winner from each of those categories will be selected for a solo exhibition, one of which will be at Jan Brandt Gallery. But once again, go to Studio Break to find out more. If you're new to Studio Break and you're listening to this through iTunes or something like that, we are a podcast and blog site. We feature a variety of different artists on studiobreak.com. Again, each of those posts that we have have slideshows of the artist's work, links to their websites, and these lengthy interviews so if you like this one, please check out all the ones that we have in the archive. And so begins our episode with Mary Lauby. Stay tuned. Welcome to Studio Break. We are very excited this morning to have on Mary Lauby. How are you doing, Mary? I'm very good. And you? I'm excellent. You know, we were just talking about the weather and... You know, I, I, I'm, I'm curious about how landscape kind of appeals to you. And I don't know, for me, it's kind of dreary out there. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to a, a spring. So yes, we'll see if we can wind that into the work. I'm, I'm certainly curious about it. Again, you know, you have a lot of different stuff going on. So hopefully we'll have a, a good opportunity to dissect it. But as we were just talking before this podcast, you're currently talking to us out of Iowa. Is that right? That is correct. Iowa City. Awesome. Awesome. And so, you know, we'll delve into your past a bit and then I'll, of course, kind of cover a wide variety of your work. Where did you grow up? Grew up uh, in the northwest suburbs of Chicago, a pretty small one called Fox River Grove. And that's where I spent my entire childhood. Um, I was actually adopted from South Korea. But so I was, you know, I went straight to, to Fox River Grove and was there till I was 18. And was, was art something that you were always kind of pursuing or is it something that kind of came miraculously? Yeah, it's I mean, I guess it's something that I've I've always been drawn to and and partially that's because both of my my parents were artists at some point. Um my father's a commercial photographer in Chicago and my mom was a uh, fashion stylist for like, you know, so they they were in like the commercial 
uh, art business. And so I always had that that influence around the house. But it, was it was it a lot of photography in terms of what they push you to do, or did they just kind of you know encourage you to do everything? I don't know. Well, they actually. <laughs> It's funny. They actually didn't really push me. I mean, I think that's the funny thing. I studied music when I started college. Um, and when I, when I switched to art, I remember my, my mom saying, I don't think you should do that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, but they were um, both of like my, my mother was an extremely good drafts person. She, I mean, and my father, there were, there were these sketchbooks that would just be laying around the house of these really intricate, you know, representational drawings of, of people or objects. And I would just kind of flip through them as a, as a kid, just absolutely fascinated with just the, that skill. And so I think early on I had this desire to, to learn how to do that. Mm-hmm. But I never, I, I honestly, growing up, I never really um, saw myself being an artist for real. Like that was always this kind of like imaginary possibility yeah it seems like a common theme for for a lot of artists to be in that that boat so it's kind of an interesting thing you know you'd figure we're all destined for it but it kind of finds us almost it seems like exactly mm-hmm. and so um, when you started college I mean was that something that you kind of knew so I started out as a music major in a music therapy program and so I think in like right before college when I was making that decision I I wanted to be an artist or I wanted to study it or somehow follow it but I knew that or somehow you know I felt that it just I wasn't going to have a job I was going to be poor and I didn't see any kind of practical future in it and so I was like okay I'm going to go study music therapy and that just was not it was not a fit I'm I'm not a I'm not a performer. I'm, I'm terrified of performance. <laughs> and so that, that program, I went to Illinois State University, that program very quickly weeded me out. <laughs> and I realized right after the first semester that that just wasn't it. Yeah. And then, then I immediately knew that I, I had to go look into the art program there. And so, and so what was that like? The transition? Yeah. I mean, what, what, what classes did you wind up kind of starting with or advised to take or... There were, you know, there was that the foundations program where you kind of, you know, you take a 2D design and a drawing and a sculpture, you know, so you're kind of um, being exposed to a number of different things. But I knew right away that I wanted to be a painter. Mm-hmm. I was really, really, you know, one of the foundation classes was this 2D design where we started, um, we did a little bit of color theory. And I was just kind of taken aback. I mean, I was just really overwhelmed by, <laughs> by the color theory part of it. Cause it, it was a part of art and, um, that, I, that I just never was exposed to. I never learned this in high school, um, growing up and I was just so fascinated with it. And that was that experience of just painting color charts <laughs> right. felt really right for me. And it's funny when I actually look back on it now, just that process, the repetition, the kind of labor, you know, that I remember having to do for that class just totally resonates in, in my work now still. Well, and it seems like that meticulous side of it is something that I have a, I have an idea of what that, that curriculum might've been like. Uh-huh. Um, and so I don't know, I just, I think about it and well, and, and you know, I, I of course teach now anyways, but I, I certainly think about that idea of repetition and kind of working through something that you might've kind of thought about to the point where you really kind of master it or kind of see that there's not master, I guess we're all trying to master, but you know, you can see that it can be pushed into this direction that maybe you didn't consider. Right. And so, and so you, you were talking about painting then. So, so you wound up taking a lot of painting classes after you got out of those. 
Yeah, I actually, so yeah, I, um, I, then I, I, you know, I started with in the, the painting one, uh, kind of track, um, from there. And I, I you know, I also did, you know, c- ceramics and I, I ended up doing quite a bit of printmaking and taking a few classes here and there, but, um, painting was definitely this thing that felt like at, at my core right away. Have you taken classes to, up to this point, or is this like literally like the like some of the first time that you're really kind of exploring this media after 2D? You know, I had experience drawing a lot as a kid, but then in high school I did tons of art classes, um, and I actually, since I was so close to Chicago, I I took several classes at the the Art Institute of Chicago my last two years of high school. They had these like these high school programs, which was really great, so I could just hop on a train and and go down to the museum and the school and take a class from a, a grad student. I, I did have a little bit of experience going into it. Especially because I, I see the way that your work is so flat now. I mean, is that something that you can kind of look back on and see like throughout the progression of those kind of early classes in terms of painting, or at least in terms of the way that you thought about the material? I don't know if that if that's so evident in some of the earlier stuff, but definitely the kind of like carefulness was definitely there. And I, I think the flatness really came out of a, a co- the color theory class that I took. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really where I was just, I was using the kind of painting techniques that you learned to establish very clear color relationships between two swatches of paint. I mean, that just totally became this magnet for me that I just, I continued to, to employ in the work after that. Mm-hmm. And so what kind of what kind of BFA work, I guess, would you would you say that you were kind of interested in making? You know, I, I realize that artists especially don't they don't necessarily love hang kind of like hang around the past. But um, <laughs> what, what, what were you um, what were you interested in doing at the time? I mean, because I think especially now, because I look at it, you know, there's there are a lot of things that, you know, include interiors. And I don't know, I think about like domestic spaces and, and I'm curious if that idea of representation has always been something that's that's kind of in there um, with the way that you work, but I have no idea. So what, what did it look like at the time? What were you interested in? I guess I was really interested in of abstraction, like this hard-edged geometric abstraction, but still leaving it open to be, um, you know, interpreted as, as something, as something architectural. Um, yeah, so I was looking at a lot of interiors and architectural spaces. Uh, my BFA show was a bunch of uh, these shaped panel MDF panels, which I'm actually returning to right now in the studio, which is funny, mm-hmm. but pretty abstract and kind of weird, um, bright colors, and, and definitely a, a pretty strong reference to interior spaces. It's it's really funny when I think back about being a BFA student because um, I think I was I was a little overwhelmed at the amount of uh, independence and autonomy I had, (laughs) you know, I mean, I think I was at a stage where I, I really had no idea what the hell I was doing, but for some reason I felt like I had to figure it out. Um, because I had, you know, I was in this situation where you have your own studio and you have this show. And, and so, um, I'm not sure how that, that affected my work or, um, but when I think back on it, um, yeah, I mean, I think I was a, a lot more lost than than <laughs> anyone else thought. Um, I was going to say it's it's really interesting to think about too, though. I mean, you you got all these other other students that you're working with, giving you ideas, and then also you know all, all the faculty that are coming at it, at your work from different angles. So it's kind of interesting to be in that space, even though it it is kind of an uncomfortable space, you know. 
was that material exploration something that was also something kind of really pursued there or did that come later because you your pain is really interesting because sometimes it acts like a space and then sometimes it really becomes about that material and especially right. when you're you know incorporating collage but i mean were those kind of elements things that you were experimenting with at the time that was kind of my my mo of of graduate school so um you know my paintings in in the bfa program really focused on color and composition and things like that. But they were pretty flat, um, with the exception of a kind of taped line. And so when I went to uh, grad school, I don't know what, why I kind of started doing this, but I just, I really needed to know why I was using paint. And so that kind of started this material exploration and thinking about the sculptural possibilities of the, of the material. Right before the, the podcast is, you know, there's so many different ways that you you tend to explore. So was that something that really kind of, I don't know, kind of took off there? I mean, you were talking about working, you know, on panels a specific way, but then you also have shaped canvases and, you know, certainly all these collaborations. Was it just kind of like a hotbed of exploring that? Exploring. I mean, that's kind of, that's funny. I suppose I am always doing that. I mean, my work, I work in projects. And so in that sense, each project can seem like kind of like a totally different tangent. So that, that started in, in grad school. And I suppose, yeah, that is a way, that was this way for me to free myself and to really try different things and have kind of specific thoughts on my mind as I was making the work. And then I could start this other project where I had something else really specific. But I like to think that they, it, it all ties in together somehow. Um, oh, very much so. It's interesting because you kind of see these certain elements that you kind of wonder how they influence other ones. I don't know. Did you kind of have that like detached kind of feeling in terms of exploring it? I, I guess, especially if you're trying to think about material and how important that is to you and what you wanted to do. I think especially like moving back and forth between like paint and then collage and then digital drawing and, and things like that, like how these different kinds of projects can inform each other. And so in a way the the collage too was this thing that I was thinking about the kind of materiality of like veneer versus, you know, a magazine cutout and like a Xerox, you know, and so having that process in some other project definitely came back into the paintings. And, you know, I, th I think one thing that I haven't really kind of brought up yet, too, is like in terms of research, I mean, are there are there things that you're really kind of going for in, in terms of your work at this point? I mean, I realize that, you know, we were, I kind of brought up earlier, you know, how they, they kind of hit, feel... Um, like interiors and, and a lot of them kind of refer to that. But I mean, is that something that you're consciously going out and, you know, maybe looking at specific artists or trying to draw from particular experiences? Like how, how are you setting up these, um, these different projects? I think since undergrad, I've, I've always had this like kind of insane need to be able to articulate in my own brain what I was doing, you know, where, where these narratives are coming from, what this is about. And it's funny because in the last year after doing a lot of collaborations, it's kind of exploded everything, you know, my, it feels that way. But, um, I was, but I, I think in general, all of my work is somehow tied to this idea of, of the, a memorial. And I, I think what I mean by that is like memorial in a very broad sense. So these kinds of attempts that, that we make at like objectifying things of the past. And so whether that's 
uh, storytelling or theater or literature or, you know, even memorial objects, altar pieces. I look at a lot of different things um, kind of in this larger <laughs> umbrella, this notion of, of holding on to, to something that's totally fleeting. And I think that that's, I don't know, maybe that's a really generalized way to explain the work. Because, you know, a lot of people talk about that. But I, th- I think it all winds up starting from something that's pretty straightforward, you know? Mm-hmm. I think the most interesting work kind of leaves itself open, but then is specific enough that you really kind of, you know, take your time to figure it out. So I, th- I think in a lot of ways that makes perfect sense. Yeah. If you look back into, say, like the Practical Joy series, mm-hmm. it looks like there might be, you know, specific interiors that you're that you're thinking about, or are they all kind of more self-referential in terms of the way that you work through the materials? So I guess, so that series, I was kind of partially taking, you know, I was making drawings from the spaces that I was living in currently. And so it was, it was about trying to f- connect myself to the work, um, for the work to feel familiar to me, but then simultaneously, you know, create this kind of stark coldness, this emotional distance. And, um, and so I was kind of playing with with abstracting these interior spaces that, that felt very, you know, that I would meditate on, that I would see every single day. And then, you know, as you, you know, later on, you know, after, after that series, there was the landscape series, actually, I think I called it the flight into Egypt. And so those were actually spaces um, where I, I used kind of general compositions from specific paintings from, 13th to 15th century, you know, so these old kind of religious spiritual paintings. And so I would kind of, I was, I would remove the figures and adopt the land, you know, the general um, space. So each, each painting is then titled um, based on its kind of reference photo. I think I started out drawing from my own surroundings because that's, that's just what made sense at the time. Um, But now I I really look in all kinds of different places. You know, I, I, uh, a lot of the work is influenced by literature. Um, I did this, I I did this, um, installation in Iowa city um, about Moby Dick. Some of the newer installations are, um, are odes to some Wallace Stevens poetry. And so I think, yeah, pulling from places outside of myself has been this, this new thing. So we were just talking about, uh, the practical joy series, um, and then, and then brought up the uh, flight into Egypt, um, where you're kind of recalling uh, different landscapes from actual actual places or, or pieces, rather, and kind of referencing art historical kind of paintings. Um, but you kind of talked about this idea of memorializing um, in the work, and and maybe to kind of touch on that, I was hoping maybe we could talk a little bit about the the altar series. The altar series, and that was actually um, a series where I wasn't looking at specific places or objects, but I was, I was trying to kind of tie in, um, these kind of architectural forms with, with something like an, an altar that feels very object-like at times. In a way that those paintings really became about abstraction and just paring everything down, um, and the kind of intense, I guess, feelings you could, that you can maybe produce just simply by using color relationships. Um, and so actually it's funny that, so that in that series I would, you know, I was reading a lot of, I, was, I went on this weird kick where I was like, I'm going to read a bunch of classic literature and all of these books that, you know, I should have read a long time ago. And so I would title each piece as this kind of like homage to 
to some character that like died in this really dramatic way or some. And so I was really interested in, in those kinds of narratives, but somehow just by like placing a sticker on each piece with the title, it could somehow enter a totally different world in a different context. And so it's funny how those paintings really visually have nothing to do with the titles or the story that I was thinking about. But it was, it was something, it was about kind of accessing these fictions and the stories that we use to talk about loss and drama. Was that important for, for the viewer to kind of come away from that? Or do you kind of want, do you kind of want them to see works like this? And like you're saying, it's, it might be kind of something that's hard to draw from, but it's interesting because, you know, now that you're telling me this, you know, you, you kind of... I don't know, you, there's that narrative aspect of it that maybe I, I kind of miss, you know, before. I intentionally wanted them to be visually distant from those. And I think with these pieces was the first time that I really started to think about the title as a really, you know, I, I love, you know, I, I love writing. I love reading. I think the title is very important to me. But it's also just this, it's a huge move in painting, you know, I mean, the way that you choose to paint a massive green shape, you know, a title is, is e I think, equally really, really important or can be. And so I'm, I'm trying to use titles as, as these extra little um, access points into the work. And, and I think one thing that maybe we haven't talked about either is maybe like a more of the, the actual process in terms of how, how you work. Because, again, it seems like there's image like if you were talking about the series still i mean are there are these mostly all paintings on canvas or panel without any kind of additional materials the altars series it's all acrylic and oil paint on on panel so the practical joy group that we talked about there's a little bit of collage element in there but um after that i pretty much abandon entirely adding anything else onto the surface but but paint. And so I start with like um with a drawing and acrylic. Most of the paintings are made of acrylic and then I do final layers in oil. So a lot of that kind of the th very thick areas are are I can easily achieve it in oil versus acrylic. Pretty much I think from then on it's just paint, which is where things got really exciting for me, I think, in, in terms of that material exploration. When I could just put down the collage material as a, as a crutch in a way and, and just force myself to, to use the paint. Okay? I mean, because it's, it's such a versatile material. I'm, I'm curious, like, how much, how much of that is, l like, l found, you know, by the process right. of kind of, like, painting an area, seeing how it works, living with it for a little bit, and then going back and, and adjusting it, making it warmer, making it cooler, you know, changing it so that it's got a darker value. Most of the things that I find and that I let become very intuitive in the process is the color. Usually, the, and even more so today in the work I'm making now, the drawing element almost stays not always, but almost stays exactly as it is from the very beginning. Um, but what I find, you know, I get so much satisfaction from moving around colors um, and shifting things. And that's the kind of like painterly painter that's inside of me is <laughs> is uh, playing with that. You know, I thought it was really interesting how, how that is something that kind of really gets incorporated into your processes you know, reworking things and, and, you know, specifically, like, I really like this, uh, this idea. There's a, there's a series of paintings, uh, rescue tactics. Well, who, who, is, who are you collaborating with? We can kind of go from there. The rescue tactics project is this where we will give each other these failed hideous paintings and what we think are hideous, give them to each other to basically like 
remake. Um, and it's, it's actually, it's really an incredible experience being able to see something. I mean, I don't know how other artists, you know, I'm sure other artists have this feeling where you just have those paintings that are just like, ugh, like you just want to like gross, you know? And so, um, it's really amazing being able to have, um, this other artist, other painter that I, I really respect kind of go in and make these new decisions. And then to see the painting anew is just, it's really amazing. Do you kind of gain some different ideas, at least in terms of how that can be applied to other bodies of work? Because I would think that the material is something then that you can kind of go back in and go, you know, like, I hate this area. I'm just going to sand the shit out of this or, you know, this big area I'm just going to paint over completely. I mean, like in terms of like when you would get one of these, what, what would kind of, was it just kind of free reign to just kind of do what you wanted then? Yeah, exactly. So it's really, it's about problem solving (laughs) and we, and we actually share a studio now, which is funny. So we will like, we'll have all our paintings out and we'll flip them back and forth and kind of talk about them. But yeah, I mean, it's totally open to do whatever, whatever you want. But whenever I get one of her paintings, it's just so much, it's easier to resolve things just because it's this, there's not that history, you know. I don't. Ha- I don't have a history with making those marks, and so it's 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 really it's a lot easier than than if I were to try and go and save one of my own. And is that something that she would say the same thing about with with uh, the works that she gets from you? I think so. Yeah, because I think I don't think I see the works that she gives me as these failures or these reject paintings, and she probably feels the same way. And so it's it's a funny process. Like, um, but and, and to kind of go in that we could like tie into this. Um, the other project, the resurrection series that I have. Um, and I think the, the idea of, of reworking failed paintings, um, started this series for me because I've, I've always tried to save on materials. You know, there's so much money that goes into, uh, buying big panels and a lot of labor into building them that when I have a, when I had a failed painting or painting that was just going to sit in storage forever, you know, I always have tried to rework over them, but I have this idea that this crazy, it's just this thought that there's this, like, there's so much history in the painting that, that I, I I can never, ever fix it. I can't ever, you know, even if I sand the whole thing down and readjust it and everything, for some reason, it just never wants to be a good painting. And so in the resurrection series, I actually took all of the work from 2009 from my BFA show. And I, um, I wanted to resurrect these, these bodies, these things, you know? And so it was a big challenge, but I I felt like it was one of those things that I wanted to, to try and do just totally transform. And so in a way it's, it's having this conversation with the, with myself from, from five years earlier and going back in and seeing all of these decisions I made and, and reflecting on, on, on how I think differently now. And was, I mean, was it something too, where you kind of felt like, you've gained all this vocabulary in terms of the way that you could use paint, you know, at this point, I mean, again, four years seems like, it seems like it could be a, you know, just a ton of time and experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I did. I felt like I, I gained, I felt like I went in there with a, just a ton more, like a bigger toolbox, I guess we could say. But at the same time, like this series was some of the paintings, I was like, I don't know if this is any better. <laughs> you know, one of the reasons why I did this, I was flipping through very old paintings, you know, from when I first started. Um, I like to do that occasionally. It's like looking in an old photo album. But I saw these paintings from my BFA show and I had this kind of sense of longing. I was like, what happened to that sensibility in my work? So so there was something about those paintings that I felt like I wanted to try and 
that I was sad that I didn't have anymore. I thought that I didn't have. And so I, I, yeah, I I decided to go and, and save them (laughs) from, uh, from just rotting away in storage. Again, the textures, especially the wood grain, you know, you've got a, a detail from this resurrection number three on here and it's just such a, so such a gorgeous looking textures and the, the pink kind of appears to be this wood grain, but then, then there's some areas that become, you know, chunkier and abstracted as actual paint. Uh-huh. Is that something that's that you're always trying to figure out how to how to manipulate this material even further? I'm interested in that intersection where paint is like equally recognizable as its own kind of goopy material, but also you know as an illusion or a representation of something that's real. You know, I think a lot about the history of paint, and yeah, its history is something that's meant to to represent something other than itself, and so kind of trying to merge it back to its physical reality is, is something I'm interested in. And some, somehow with this wood grain, you know, I, I use this a lot I've, in my paintings, or I have, I have used it here and there. But it's just this moment where the viewer questions what it actually is, you know, and it brings them back into like, you know, I know I'm looking at a painting. Is this, is this paint or is this a, a photograph, you know, what is it? Um, so I, I'm kind of interested in playing with those those moments. And maybe it's a little, little tacky, like, you know, like a one-liner. But there's just something, I think that there's just something really charming about that when I see that in other paintings. Is the buttonwood, is that is that also made up of older works then or no? I can be a little bit uh, destructive with the works that I don't like. And so a lot of works on paper, drawings or collages from the past, from, you know, since I was in undergrad, I'll, I'll save scraps of, or I'll cut up old paintings and collages and I'll save them and I catalog them. And I haven't made collages in a while. So the Buttonwood series was kind of a continuation of the resurrection. So I wanted to go back to all of these materials, some of which I haven't looked at or touched since, you know, I was, uh, a junior in, in college and, and kind of go back through and look at these materials and, and, and make them into something, something new that, you know, with the brain that I have now and the knowledge that I have now. And so that was, that was kind of a fun, a fun process for me. I can see this kind of relating to maybe some of the, the altars or even the practical joy, especially like in terms of, um, maybe some of the space that's present. But I think one of the things that's really interesting is that it seems like these kind of, you know, little, kind of clusters of interiors that might include different aspects of collage. They're all kind of painted on these kind of very soft kind of grounds that leave a lot of texture. And so they feel like they, they put you into this almost period of time. But mm. I, again, I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's just me being sentimental because I can be, but. I, it's interesting here, especially these works. It's interesting hearing how other people see them. And because I have so many personal kind of, boring memories about these materials that I can't separate when I look at them. You know, I I can see a a little piece from a painting from 2007 that I haven't thought about, you know, or seen in a while. And is that something that is, is easy for, for you? Cause I mean, again, I, um, I don't cut up any of my works. It seems (laughs) like, it seems like something that would be almost scary to me. But I mean, is yeah. that something that, that kind of all, I mean, I'm sure there's a little bit of that, but I mean, is that something that once you get over is something really kind of freeing to be able to see what you can do with it? How, how do these different differ too, in terms of the way that you might process them? When I destroy my work or I kind of, you know, break it down and for, discard it in some way, um, I never really have the intention of rework, reusing the material, which is why this project felt 
there's something really empowering about that kind of going back in. I think, I think, um, I don't know why I, I, uh, ruin some of my works or I throw them out or, um, but my, like my husband hates it. I mean, there's this, there's this painting in my studio for the longest time that I could not, like, it was like, it was in this weird, like middle ground. I didn't know if I was going to try and finish it. I didn't, you know, I hated it how it was. And so I just had to end the relationship. And so I went out in the backyard and I spray painted this red X on it to just finalize the fact that I'm going to stop thinking about this thing. And it can just like, can let go of that. Um, but he, he freaked out. He, he couldn't believe I did that because he, he actually liked the painting. But yeah, there's this weird kind of, you know, and, and I think other artists feel this way. There's kind of this weird emotional relationship that happens in the studio and the there's a drama in the studio and that we make connections with these objects and there's, there's a kind of intimacy in it, in it all. Is that something that you'll try to tap in with color, for example? I'm looking at this, this one that kind of has what looks like a part of a, a brick fireplace in it, um, mm-hmm. which is in front of a big window. And there's kind of these very colorful, this colorful kind of like field next to it with these different patchwork of shapes. I mean, I don't know, like, like, is it something that you try to draw on any kind of specific, like, like I'm going to make this, you know, like painting all based off of warm colors and include this action or is it something... Yeah, um, actually, and I think this is applicable to a lot of my work. I don't really go in with specific colors in mind, usually. You know, I don't, I don't think, I'm not very calculated about that. I'm actually not calculated at all about that. I'm very calculated about the drawing and the composition part, but color is just, you know, I know you're, you're probably going to hate this answer, but it's like just totally intuitive and in the moment and, you know, and it's something that I feel in my gut, <laughs> you know, like whether something is right in regards to color and when something's wrong and playing around with that is just um, a, a totally intuitive process. At least it feels that way. It may not be, you know, I'm sure that there is some kind of um, logic that I'm not quite keen on yet, but, um, but that is one area of the, that is one thing where I just, I really allow myself to kind of move around until I f- it feels right. Well, it's something that, you know, I, I almost want to connect as a, you know, someone teach, that likes teaching drawing is, you know, the way that you kind of need to see some of these things and how they're, how they're working out together before you can kind of keep adjusting them. So, right. you know, one of the other things that, that I wanted to bring up too, uh, you know, and, and I know that you had kind of uh, mentioned this, um, this installation that you did at the University of uh, Northern Iowa in the, in the gallery there. Could you talk a little bit about that? And then maybe we can kind of go into some of the other uh, collaborative efforts. And So the agony of, of death after the agony of life. Yeah, so that, that this piece actually goes back a little bit to um, the Altarpiece series. And so that was a, the title is this little um, section from Victor Hugo's Les Miserables, just such a melodramatic story. Um, this was this was kind of a this was a fun project, and so this um, lar- it's a large kind of arcway, I guess you could call it. Um, it's it's made up of these these squares of contact paper, and so what I did is sent- the idea going into it was I'm, I'm like I'm going to make the same painting twenty times, <laughs> which is what it was in my studio. It was just a bunch of these squares, and so it, it goes back to this this this. Um, this interest I have in repetition and labor and, and this project was kind of, you know, I, I set myself up with these things a lot in my work where I, like, whether it's a pattern or something that, that I have to do over and over and over again. And so 
it was, it was grueling this piece and it was all done by hand. Like I wanted it to, to kind of, uh, merge the world of painting and, and, and printing or, um, you know, the idea of multiples. I wasn't using tape for these. And so I was just using my own hand painted mark as this, as this machine to, to pump out all of these, these squares. And so it was kind of, it was a fun project. Um, and that was a show on contemporary abstraction. There's kind of these pieces that seem more solitary and then these other ones like this that make me kind of think about the way that you kind of walk around it. And for me, that's that's the reason that I'm kind of associating with maybe some of these these other pieces like the, the Warp Whistle Project, mm-hmm. you know, where you're kind of having these these images, these paintings that you might make normally, but then you have these kind of sounds emanating out, out of them. So when I want to work large, like I feel like using the the space or the, uh, the architecture of the, the gallery space needs to be my, my frame. I feel like it doesn't make sense for some reason for me to just make a massive canvas. And so this moving things onto the wall, making them way more experiential. I don't know if that's, that's the right word, but having it really envelope a viewer is, is something that, um, that happens in the installation. And I think it also ties into the, the warp whistle project, which is this, the collaboration with, Paul Schutte, who I met at the Virginia Center for the Creative Arts. He's a sound artist and composer. But basically, those paintings are, they're, they're like most of my paintings. I mean, they look just like them. They're these acrylic kind of, the, the paint gets really thick on, on, on these very deep panels. But um, cut into the surface of the panels are um, homemade speakers. And he's installed all of these electronics in the back. And so on, on the website, you can you can see a video of them, but they um, they make they make sound, and it's it seems so simple, but it's um, you know I think at first I had no idea what was going to come out of this, but when you see them when you see them in person with the the kind of sound that that Paul puts together, it's just it's a very weird experience, which I think is is good um, to kind of pull in from all of these other senses. And I think that that's something uh, in collaboration. I'm thinking a lot about the fact that, you know, I'm a painter, and so there's a stereotype that I'm working in solitude, which I am sometimes. But at the same time, we can't deny the fact that artists are using more than one sense when they um, when they make work and they think about work. And so, in the creative process, we're we're listening and seeing and smelling and doing all kinds of all kinds of things. I wanted to talk also about this uh, this new video piece as well. Um, uh-huh. So how, how does how does this one work, especially because I, I was watching it, you know, and again, um, I don't know, maybe you could describe it for us. It's called At the Edge of the Shadow. So I guess when you, when you first look at it, it looks like uh, these kind of very dark expanses, maybe like the cosmos or glitter. And so there's this kind of, it's sparkly looking. Um, but the, uh, the way that I made these, so there's this material called, um, micaceous iron oxide. It comes as an acrylic paint and, um, it's just, when you put it in front of a strong light, it just, it looks like this really sophisticated glitter paint. I mean, it's, it's so like delicious and, and amazing. And so in a previous installation, I had made a bunch of these squares for this kind of like totem. And so I, I just took each individual one and I photographed it in front of a projected light. And then in a, in a kind of stop motion way, I, I put piece them together into this, this, um, video. And I, 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 I'm just, I guess I'm interested in, it's again, that inner, that place where paint becomes 
it, where it's, where it's a material, it's a physical thing in front of you, but it's also this thing that just opens up so many, you know, ideas and it, you know, and it, I guess I like the idea that these little squares are really just this like eight by eight, eight inch chunky paint. But when you put it through this video and some filters, it looks like you're looking into the cosmos. And so it's kind of like this insane, this, this insane kind of movement from the micro macro world. I don't know. It was, it was really just this kind of this fun thing that I had, um, had on my mind. I, I didn't expect to make this. And then it's, it's, um, set to Bella Bartok's microcosmos. I can imagine, you know, looking back, you know, at one of the, I guess the images in terms of the way that it would make or, or just kind of being distanced from it and kind of reading it like that. But then at the same time, I love how it really kind of dissolves in the video. Mm-hmm. So it's something that's very interesting because I would imagine then if you kind of zoomed in on, on wood grain enough, it would kind of become, you know, just this big kind of series of marks. So I, th- I think that's something that's, I don't know, very interesting. I don't know, maybe, maybe you're going to get a big um, set of magnifying glass glasses that you can paint with in the studio. I don't know. Right. <laughs> <You> know? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe they'll become really small. I don't know. I mean, that could be, I, I don't know. That's, that's something that's so interesting. And again, something that's so fun about your work, I think is that kind of willingness to engage, you know, different strategies. So what's currently going on in the studio? Received a, a grant from the Iowa arts council. So I'm working on this, um, this is what I'm doing now in the studio is a, a group of, of large paintings um, and it's it's part of a larger collaboration with a with a poet in Iowa City, and so we're gonna have a I'm gonna have a show in, on June 19th and at the Old Brick in Iowa City for that. I was gonna say you also have one coming up at Jan Brand, is that not right? Yes, yes, at the Jan Brand Gallery. That's gonna be uh, April 19th is the opening reception, and um, it's actually gonna be a a kind of sampling of a lot of work we talked about today. So not work that I'm currently doing now, but this. It's almost this way, you know, I, I pulled a couple from each project as this way of somehow figuring out how they all tie together because I usually only see each each painting with their series, with their group mm-hmm. that they belong to. And so now I'm trying to break that up and, and look at them as as a whole, which I, I haven't done yet in a show. So I'm very excited about that. I really respect that, you know. I think it's very easy to be kind of be caught up in process of the way you make this or that. And so it seems like you're always trying to come up with a, a new way to look at it, to find, you know, something else to reveal about it through your work. So I, I think that's really awesome. Again, it sounds like you're you're busy with a lot of different collaborations, a lot of shows and, and all sorts of good stuff. Well, again, thanks so much uh, for coming on and, and talking to me about your work. And so thanks for coming on. Great. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to Mary Lauby for joining us, and please check out her website, marylauby.com. You can also see her work at Jan Brandt Gallery this Saturday, April 19th from 7 to 9 p.m. in Bloomington, Illinois. You can also check out my work, davidlinaway.com. One easy way to do that is to check out the recent episode that we did on the So Ill Perspective show with John Reddington. So go ahead and check that out a few episodes ago. And, of course, visit my website. See some of the work at davidlinaway.com. Our mega reminder is that our 2014 competition is open, so please check it out and apply for it. Once again, we're accepting uh, student entries as well as professional entries. You can go to studiobreak.com to find out more details. Once again, we're going to be picking nine winners, three from each of those categories, and ultimately one 
from each of those categories will be getting a show, a solo exhibition. One of them will take place at Jan Brandt Gallery. One of them will take place at the Peoria Art Guild. And the other one will take place at Demo Project. So please consider checking it out and applying. Again, it's very straightforward. And, of course, if you know any artists or students... Please encourage them to apply. Our juror this year is Richard Holland of Bad at Sports, the Chicago podcast that is everywhere in the world covering everything contemporary art. So you can also hear from the juror in a recent podcast episode, so you can check that out as well. We'd really, really appreciate it if you shared the competition and, of course, the Studio Break website in general. Once again, You can share that with those handy social media buttons. We are on Twitter, so you can follow us at Studio Break. Our Tumblr page is Studio-Break, and we do have a Facebook page, so you can like it very easily. Of course, you can always link to the iTunes Store and subscribe to the podcast. That's a great way to stay up to date with episodes. And of course, if you leave us some comments and some feedback, it does help tremendously with visibility in iTunes and in the podcast store. And again, there's a lot of podcast listeners out there. They're always looking for new stuff. So you could help us out in a big way. So thank you for that. Lastly, thanks to Skylar Mail, who provides the music to Studio Break. You can find his website at SkylarMail.com. He is a visual artist as well as a musician, so please go check out his website. All right, that's all of our episode this week. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you real soon.